Games Arcade Weekly, an arcade review show brought to you each Monday free of charge from your friends over at WeTalkGames.com. I am your host, Kyle Von Kubik, and I'm joined along with my good pal, John E. Capcom. Yes. Are you ready for some shmup timber talk? Are we not doing Mr. No, Do? We're talking about Mr. Do. Sorry, I've got the wrong notes in front of me. John. Yes. Do you like Mr. Do? Uh, he's fine. He's fine. You wouldn't invite him over to fuck your wife or anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're talking Mister Do's Castle. I don't know how many more doo-doos we have to do-do, but this is a uh, a sequel to, of course, Mister Do. It came out in 1983 by Universal, and it is an early platformer akin to some of the early platformers that you'd see around the era. Uh, More specifically, Space Panic. This is probably a lateral move from that uh, title, which I despise. I normally write down a plot, uh, what I glean from playing a game. You know, not looking at the attract mode or, or any sort of text that comes on the screen. What I believe the plot of a game to be whilst playing it. And this is what I came up with. For Mr. Do. Mr. Do, as played by Tim Curry, must evict quote unquote unicorns, we'll get to that soon, from his castle by popping cherries and smashing skulls. Uh, would you agree with this summarization? I suppose it's very interpretive, though. It's very interpretive? <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. I mean, like as you said, the, the idea that these things are unicorns is kind of up for debate. Right. The, Let's get into that right now. The original concept for this game was called Knights vs. Unicorns, but the U.S. division of Universal pushed the Japanese division to rebrand this game under that Mr. Do franchise, which I believe is very smart. Now, in Japan, this game is called Mr. Do vs. the Unicorns, but if you were to play this game, as John and I did, in person together, why don't we record this episode together? I don't know. Why are we recording this episode for a second time? Things just happen. (laughs) (laughs) If you were to play this game... I would never interpret these things that you're combating as unicorns. No, they resemble narwhals. Yes. And they kind of get freakier as the game goes along. Of course. It has that whole, holy shit, they're evolving type of air about it, much like Mr. Do. The cherries was mentioned earlier on. Mm-hmm. The, the, the cherry blocks, I don't know what significance they hold. And I think I that know. goes back to Universal just being in the mindset of Okay, well, let's talk about the early 80s real quick with the arcade scene. Uh, People are just trying to figure out what a video game even is, what standardized controllers even are. We discussed this during our panel at the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo. There was buttons, there was knobs, there was dials. Joysticks came in around this era and, and became the new hotness. 
But there was still this mindset of gambling machines associated with arcade machines. And we've talked about in the past with pinball. Pinball was banned in just about every state with the exception of Illinois because of its connection to gambling. So I think Universal and what I like about Universal as a company is it has this risk and reward type of gambling aspect to all their games. So you do see cherries. You see opportunities to collect points, opportunities to get free men by staying on the screen longer, putting more quarters in. You might get to that next level. Universal was very good at taking somebody else's idea and building upon it. And uh, <laughs> what they did with uh, this no, game no. is, yeah. Sorry to correct you. They're good at taking other people's ideas and fucking sticking Mr. Do into them. That's what they're <laughs> it's very true. Uh, let's talk about the making mechanics, though, because now here's the thing. Universal put out Space Panic, a game, again, I detest. But Space Panic was kind of a perspective iteration to Hianco Alien. Uh, 1979 by Meldak, one of your favorite arcade games, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Similar to this would be Burger Time and Mario Bros. Burger Time came out in 1982 by Data East, and Mario Bros., not Super, uh, came out in 1983 by Nintendo. Both those games are probably more refined than this, but I really enjoyed Mr. Dew's Castle, and I think that the U.S. arm pushing the Japanese arm to rebrand this was a good move because, you know, there weren't a lot of mascots at this time. And Mr. Do for Universal was their mascot. And yet he would show up again and again and again in other games. But this was a nice distinction of, okay, we have the Dig Dug formula. How do we build upon it? And I think they did a good job with Mr. Do. We have this early platformer Space Panic formula, which they admittingly created with Space Panic. How do we refine it? How do we make it better? And I believe they did a good job, and later iterations weren't as popular. Um, we talked about Do Run Run, or Run Do Do, something like that. Uh, yeah. You can go to wetalkgames.com slash in the can, and just put in Do, and you'll find every Mr. Do game we've ever talked about, ever, now and into the future. Do Run Run is an iteration of Crystal Castles, and then of course we, I think we'll be talking about in the future, Neo Mr. Do. Oh, I love yeah. Mr. Do with that beautiful Neo Geo shellac, but let's not dig too deep into that, because again, I want to talk about that in the future. Let's talk about this game right now. So what do you do in this game, John? Well, basically, it's a single-screen platformer. It's kind of confusing at first if you were used to a simpler game, a style of game like Donkey Kong. Okay. Uh, you know, because I, I think there would have been a level of complexity uh, to this if you were, if you met it in chronological order. Sure. You know, like if the kids now would look at it and go, what is this? Mm. It's barely a video game. I haven't committed a war crime. Whereas <laughs> the, it's got a couple of different layers to it. So basically, you do have to kill all the narwhal uh, unicorn things. but We'll call them unicorns, but please, listener, look them up. They're goblins with horns protruding from their face. They're definitely not unicorns. Or dinosaurs. They look more like dinosaurs, to be honest. It's debatable, as far as I'm concerned, whether the objective is to get rid of them all mm. or whether the objective is to turn them all into extras. Right. Because like, both of those require different kind of thinking patterns. But ultimately, I suppose if you were to break it down to its most basic uh, formula, you have a bunch of ladders to navigate. Mm-hmm. There are blocks that can be knocked away. Yes. Like in Burger Time, if you knock a block onto one of the narwhal, sorry, one of the unicorns, it'll kill them. Yes. 
and you can kind of get a bunch of them all at once as well. Um, right. Like Burger Time, again, it has a weapon that doesn't really do anything. Mm. You can hit the unicorns and it'll knock them down through a hole or stun them or whatever yes. else, but it doesn't kill them. Correct. But unlike Burger Time, there's no metric to how many times you can use your yeah. call it a mallet that Mr. Do has in this game. So yeah, as John touched on, you're navigating platforms and ladders. There are cherry blocks you can knock away, hit into enemies, and you, if you break them all away, at the top of Mr. Do's castle, these doors will open up, and there's a cross up there on a shield. You collect that, and it turns the little goblin monsters into the alpha monsters that we talked about in the Mr. Do episode. Where I'm, what do I mean by alpha monsters? The monsters that are left on the screen will be either the letter E, X, T, R, or A. Once you kill those monsters, you get those letters. Once you spell extra, you get an extra man. This is what I'm talking about with Universal and what they do in their games, which I really like. You saw this in Ladybug. You saw this in Mr. Do. You see it again here now in Mr. Do's Castle. What John also said I want to go back to, there are different ways to complete the stage. You can just go about it, much like Pac-Man. I'm just going to collect these dots. I'm going to collect these dots and get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get the maximum amount of points I can on this screen. Or I'm going to go for these extra opportunities. So there's different layers to playing this game, which makes it one of these classic arcade games where the more you play it, the better you get at it, and the more you understand about the game, it opens itself up to you as you play. Uh, definitely, and the, there are layers of strategy to it, like using the bridges. Yeah, um, oh, let's talk about the bridges. So the, we've talked about the cherry blocks, but there's also these skull blocks. Now, I was baiting John to hit the skull block because I thought it was insta-death. Because much yeah. like in uh, Ladybug, the skull block kills you immediately. <laughs> But it also, like, I mean, uh, Alex Kidd in Miracle World was a game that primed me to fear skull blocks. Sure. Pretty much any game that has a skull in it is yeah. telling you that this is poison. Right. But the skull blocks here are opportunity to get a lot of points and kill a lot of monsters at the same time if you're skilled enough. So there'll be a skull block and then a number of cherry blocks between it, finished with another skull block on either end, ending these cherry blocks. Hit one skull block, run across to the other skull block, wait for monsters to get in the field of those cherry blocks, and then once you hit the skull block on the other end, everything falls down, killing everything in its path. You can get the monsters from the bridge as well as the monsters underneath the bridge. It's a lot more difficult than how I'm describing it to line all that up, but when you make it happen, it's very satisfying. You could probably recognize behaviors in the monsters eventually, but... Like, we, we didn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. And there's different advantages to that. So say if at the beginning of the game you wouldn't necessarily want when the unicorns are quite easy to kill, mm. you wouldn't necessarily want to chain a bunch of them out. You might want to get as many extra men as you possibly right. could. Right. Whereas later on when they become the blue variants and they multiply and mm. speed up and basically kick your head in, uh, then the bridges will come in handy. Sure. So, like we said, there's multiple ways to gather points, which I really enjoy about the game. Um, let's talk about the art direction. I think that graphically it is an incremental improvement on Mr. Do. I think, John, you would agree with that, right? I mean, it's not much better than Mr. Do, but there, there's a little bit more finesse to the graphical presentation and animation. Yeah, I mean, it's of a certain period of time. 
Mm-hmm. There, it's definitely a contemporary art style for what was going on. Obviously, not a dragon slayer. No, it wasn't blowing anybody's socks off, but it was definitely competent for the era. Yeah, no, I think when you look at it versus Burger Time, Burger Time was just a void mm, uh, yes. as a background. No, yeah, this, this game has-, has a nice detailed background of a castle in the sky, which is, again, for the era, is a nice thing to see because, yes, Burger Time, black. Backdrop, all the space shooters of the era, black backdrop, Pac-Man, black backdrop. Even later games like Mario Bros, black backdrop. It was easy. And you could also have a nice contrast. The contrast in this game, despite having this full-color background, I never found it to be muddling. Like, I think they picked good color choices between the sprites and the platforms and the ladders to the background. Where, you know, again, in this era where people were ambitious, sometimes graphically... Things would get muddled by having too many colors on the screen. I never felt that way. No, it's definitely part of the evolutionary ladder for video game level design. Yeah. Like, the, between, I think Burger Time came out like the year before, didn't it? Yes. When you look at the progression, then next year you get Mr. Dew's Castle. In two years' time, you have Super Mario Brothers. Correct. I'm not sure how it felt at the time, but like when you look at like a year and two years and three years, the quality of art direction in video games really rocketed up pretty quickly yes this is what a step toward that direction definitely only like what like five years later we'd have pit fighter i mean (laughs) all right (laughs) Uh, musically i would not say that this was the step in uh, any sort of amazing direction although it's competent it's not my favorite from universal but it's it's okay it didn't jump out at me. It's the same type of Rainbow Island, Bubble Bobble, cutesy type of harpsichord. Harpsichord's not the right instrument, but I think you get what I'm trying to say here. It's like... It's like a sting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a loop. Right. But it's not irritating. John, was there anything that you disliked about Mr. Dew's Castle? I know it's difficult. Like, you and I probably play the first screen for an hour before we were really sinking our teeth past that. I mean, I think we played this game for maybe two and a half hours, three hours when we were together. Yeah, I don't think you can really argue with its fundamentals. Yeah, I I, I think it's fair to say that. Probably one or two issues I'd have with it that were choices rather than the actual implementation. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I can hit a unicorn when it's on a ladder. Yes. That's annoying because they tend to kind of be fairly adventurous when they're regular unicorns. When they turn into, as you said, alpha monsters, mm-hmm. then they tend to find the longest ladder and just climb down it yeah. slowly but surely, uh, basically running out the clock. Yeah, Mr. Do is not extremely fast in this game. So Blow Blair Blip, much like the Energizers in Pac-Man, if you're going to go for that shield to turn them into alpha monsters... Wait. Once you open the doors to reveal the shield, you can just hang out up there. The shield's not going to go away, and you can kind of lure the monsters up to be closer or gather them closer to you. So when you make that changeover, you can collect those extra points. I do agree with you with the ladders. It would have been nice to bop them back down the ladders as they were coming up. Kind of like Burger Time. You could hit, you know, you could salt the egg or the hot dog or the pickle as it was coming up the ladder to stun them. That would have been nice. The game doesn't need it, but I would have liked that improvement. I agree with you. The steps we should discuss, because they're strange. 
and th- this is a good blower blip as well. There are steps between platforms. They're not ladders. They're steps. And you can push the steps between platforms. So how would you describe this, John? Like an inverted vine in Pitfall, kind of? Yeah, I guess so. Basically, when you step, there's a angled set of stairs yeah. uh, leading up or down from um, the platform you're on. When you're above them and you step on it, it switches to the other side. Yeah. I'd imagine that was a very cool moment back in the day. Sure. Now, you and I had trouble navigating those because every time we were on a platform and we would try to use that step, we were pushing it to the other side. So then we would Mm -hmm. be falling down. You can only use the steps from the bottom up, not from the top down. Here's the blow blare blip. When the monsters or the goblins or unicorns are coming up that angled step, if you're onto that platform, you can push it and swing them over to the opposite side. So now they have to loop back around to try to get you. John and I did not realize this. when <laughs> We just couldn't navigate these things. But we both did some research and figured it out. And I went back and played by myself and realized, hey, that's a cool little trick. And yeah, it would probably blow the minds of people in the early 80s that you could do that. Because, again, there's a lot going on. This is a one-button, four-way joystick game. You know, you're doing a lot with limited controls, and what you lack in controls, you're making up for in different play styles and different strategies. So that's it. I mean, I would recommend this game to anybody who's a fan of... I hate Load Runner, but if you like Load Runner, you're going to dig this game. Uh, I like this game a lot more than Load Runner. If you like Mario Bros., even though I think Mario Bros. is more refined as a game, I think uh, Mr. Dew's Castle is... Just there. You know, we talk about these top-shelf developers and games, these these second-shelf and then bottom-shelf. I'm a vodka drinker, John. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it in the Stolies category, although I don't drink Stolies because fuck Russia. Uh, (laughs) I I would put it in that that Kettle One category, that second-tier, that second-shelf vodka, Mr. Dew's Castle. You know, Mario Bros. would be that top-shelf type of game. Like, it's very well-refined, great replay value. Mystic's Castle, I would put on that second tier where it's almost as good. Universal's that second tier developer, and you see that through the history because they weren't trailblazers. They definitely were followers, but they were good at taking other people's ideas and building upon it. That's a um, an underrated trait of some video game developers. Mm. Like uh, as we mentioned in the last uh, take of this, uh, Jeff Minter is very famous for taking people's ideas and just trying to improve upon them with a different aesthetic. Right. Uh, Space camel or whatever, or attack of the giant llamas or whatever it was. It's a goat, uh, llama, minotaur, or something in any one of the yeah. games. I think it was Minotron 2112 was another one. Mm-hmm. He takes these older, uh, established kind of play styles and introduces new mechanics to them. Yeah. Same with um, Tempest 2000 and stuff like that. So I think this is part of that, that tradition. It's also, I think, interesting if you're a young person who is interested in the history of video games. And this is what's kind of cool for us is I think – us and maybe people who are maybe 20, 30 years older than us, we all pretty much got to live through the entire history of video games. Yeah. For the most part. You know, we were there for a lot of it. So I think if there's any younger people, and I empathize because I was kind of like this, anytime I discover something 
I always want to go back to the beginning and see what it would be music or art or whatever else. Sure. I think uh, this is an interesting example of the evolution of video games between your single screen platformers that have the black background like Mario Brothers to your colorful side-scrolling platformers full of character like Super Mario Brothers. I think games like Mr. Juice Castle are, uh, you know, an in-between evolution and maybe a piece of the evolutionary tree that kind of withered and died at the end because mm. ultimately Mr. Do didn't become a major, you know, mainstay in video games. But I do think that the entries like Mr. Drew's Castle and Mr. Drew's Wild Ride and whatever else they put him in there with. Yeah. I think they're all very interesting from a timeline perspective. That's right. probably the, like you said, like the second tier thing. It's like people remember Black Sabbath, but they don't remember Wizard. Mm, okay. You know, or yeah. bands like that. If you're interested to see the contemporaries of the bigger games, of your Pac-Mans, of your Super Mario Brothers, I think this is an interesting one to choose. Yeah, and... I gotta say, I saw Mr. Do often. I don't think I saw Mr. Do's Castle, but I saw Mr. Do the game often when I was a kid. And this is the benefit of being the age that we are, is that these games are still lingering around. So even though some of these games came out as we were being born, they hung out in the arcades till the arcades went away, because if they still worked, then they were there, and if they were still collecting quarters, they were there. I always shy away from Mr. Do. Uh, regret, you know, I regret that, but I always looked at Mr. Do and said, oh, that's just a knockoff of Dig Dug. I like Dig Dug better. Didn't know that Mr. Do had more to offer than Dig Dug. Not a knock on Namco, just a matter of fact, because it came out after. And Well, people say it came out simultaneously, which I call bullshit on. I think Dig Dug came out, and then maybe a couple months later, Mr. Do came out. Mr. Do had more uh, things to do in the game. However, as a kid, I'm like, ah, I don't like clowns. I don't want to play this game. Here's what I'll say about Universal and why they are one of my favorite developers that we discuss on this show, despite their horribly disgusting racist game. Um, they did a better job, and maybe this has everything to do with the U.S. arm of their company. They did a better job at taking their mascot, which, again, there weren't a lot of those around at the time, putting him in solid games, because even if you don't like Do Run Run, it's still a pretty solid game. So is Mr. Do's Castle, as Mr. Do is. They did a better job at circling him around things that were good than Namco did with Pac-Man. Namco had a lot of difficulty trying to find that next Pac hit. It wasn't Pac and Pal, even though I enjoyed that game. And again, we discussed that. We talked games.com slash in the can. It wasn't Super Pac-Man or Pac-Man Plus. And we all know Miss Pac-Man was an unlicensed board hack that a couple of college students did, and Bally Midway picked it up, put it out, and Namco was pretty pissed off about it. But why was that game smash the success that the Namco titles weren't? Because they built upon the foundation of something that was already working. They didn't do the same formula between Mr. Juice Castle and Mr. Do, but they found that element of fun and took the elements of Mr. Do and put it into other games, whether it be Mr. Do's Castle or do run run where they take the crystal castles mechanic and just put or maze chase game and put mr do in there universal does deserve credit and back in may rio when we talked about all the nintendo games nintendo was kind of in the same boat you know they weren't a top tier arcade developer 
they were getting into it. They were doing love hotels. They were doing uh, uh, toys. They were following other people's steps, but not really succeeding until they hit Donkey Kong, Mario Bros., Donkey Kong Jr. And by the time they started to really get a foothold in the arcade, they bounced because they were in the home market. I like to think that Nichibutsu were off to the side looking at Nintendo going, fucking noobs. <laughs> Another one of my favorite developers we talk about on the show, but not because of the improvements that they made to the arcade scene. So that's it. That's uh, Mr. Dew's Castle. Uh, let's wrap up with one-sentence reviews. I'll go first. Here's my one-sentence review. The more you play, the better you feel. So bop a unicorn before every meal. Look, home. Okay. For everybody at home. As we're getting too close to haikus there. Uh, I'm, well, I'm way past the syllable, so we're good. My one-sentence review is... It's not Castlevania, but it's not wiping either. <laughs> That's very vague. Uh, at least it was a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> That's one for the, the listeners who pay attention. Sure. And if you're new to the show, please go out and review our podcast on whatever service you download it from, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. We really appreciate it. And please join us on the social media webs. We're on Facebook dot com slash we talk games twitter at we talk games and reddit r slash we talk games and please type in we talk games real quick if you're just searching on reddit because some horrifying things show up on the dumpster of the internet for john e capcom i'm kyle von kubik thank you very much for listening and we'll talk at you again next week i want to rub chocolate all over his clown body
get ya To get the better of me, I wanna let ya Any time of the day, a good get ya You come running at me, yes, I bet ya Ain't going out like a sucker There's no need to huff and buffer Cause baby, I am tougher than you think So you just gotta suffer Well and hell 